Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anyway, someone who uh, spent actually more, uh, most of his uh, younger years uh, in the National Library studying dusty tomes uh, was Jonathan DeBurka Butler, uh, here to uh, bring us stories from other parts of the world. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you? Uh, right, Albania we're going to go to uh, first and uh, a government official smuggling drugs, it seems. Yes, um, and it's not the first time it's happened uh, in this country, unfortunately. Um, we don't talk about Albania that much um, on this particular slot. Mm. Um, but in this particular instance, we're talking, as you said, about a, a government official and she was fairly high up in, in the government in that she was the IT director for Albania's state information agency. Okay. Now you can see that where we might be going with this and that has its risks. She was only 28 years of age. Uh, Arisa Farah was her name. Now, she was actually arrested on the 29th of December um, on the border in a remote part of Albania on the border with North Macedonia. And authorities, when they arrested her and put the story together, they said that she had used her government ID to get past, you know, other checkpoints and that on the way to the border. But eventually, somebody suspected something, opened up the back of the car and found 58 kilograms of cannabis in the back of it, right? Okay, Headed you couldn't North argue Macedonia. personal use there. Not yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think so. There's 58 bags of flour, basically, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but containing cannabis in, in this instance. And she had her boyfriend with her and a 17-year-old colleague of theirs, shall we say, who is now a suspect. So all three of them have been arrested. There was two other suspects on the North Macedonian side as well, but apparently they got away. Nobody knows how. So it's caused a bit of embarrassment, as you can imagine, for the government, because I says, hey, this isn't the first time that this has happened. Uh, in fact, when I was looking into it, I found that two interior ministers uh, by two or three years ago had been fired under this same government. That's Eddie Rama's socialist uh, government. Um, now, Eddie Rama would be well known to people because he was the mayor of Tirana before and he's responsible mm. for painting it all these really bright colours and he's quite a character, former basketball player. So he's been trying to drag Albania out of this effectively narco-state situation that it finds itself in. It certainly has a very bad reputation and it's trying to bring it towards you know, some sort mm. of level where it might eventually get into the European Union. They're looking to hold talks this summer, I think, or to start talks this summer about getting into the European Union. But something like this... Uh, doesn't look good for them at all. Uh, what are the poverty rates in Albania? How much are government official, uh, officials paid in Albania? Because there's that, that old saw that if you, you don't pay them well enough, you, you're inviting that kind of corruption. Really. Well, that is a good point. But I think if we can take it down another avenue, I think politi- the problem is that politics and unfortunately criminal gangs and the drug world are inextricably linked in yeah, Albania. And yeah. this is well known. Uh, I mean, this has been covered before. There was one individual... A few years ago, right, he major kingpin, just to give you an idea of what happened, and, and 12 of his colleagues were arrested by the Greek government, right? The Greeks asked for an extradition order. They didn't get it. And a couple of weeks later, this same guy was seen on a boat partying with the head of the police. So, <laughs> no, uh, that's a good look. You, you know, know. There's, there's an example for you, uh, if I can give it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it doesn't look good. And, and I suppose the poverty rates, to answer your question, are very, very high. Yeah. So that means that, you know, Joe Bloggs or whoever is just trying to get put, make you know, do, make yeah. do and, and gets involved in this kind of thing as well, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, there's quite a bit of it around. Uh, right, Zimbabwe, uh, we're going to go to next. And uh, this is a, a court case over sex toys. 
It is. This is a court case that has been brought by a non-profit organisation called the Women's Academy for Leadership and Political Excellence, right? It's led by a woman called Sita Bile Diwa. Okay, now this woman is challenging Section 47.1b of the Customs and Excise Act, okay? And that basically criminalises the importation of goods regarded as indecent, obscene or objectionable. I actually looked up the law itself. Okay. It goes on a little bit further, but you get the idea, right? So uh, these things are banned, right? And that includes sex toys. And her argument is that the law is archaic and it infringes on a women women's rights to sexual pleasure, right? And invades their privacy and all that kind of thing. So I'm sure there's something within the constitution of Zimbabwe where she's going to be able to bring a case and argue on a constitutional base that it infringes her rights. Uh, And that's exactly why she's taken up the case. The Zimbabwe lawyers for human rights are taking it up on her behalf. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, and, and but as part of that case, does she have to try and kind of import some sex toys, and then uh, and then they have to go through it that way? Well, no, because I think the it, it, it's one of these laws that kind of sounds okay. Well, this is funny. I'm sure this is never yeah. executed, but it has been executed. So there's test cases there before. There was a woman who was a lecturer. This was in November 2022. A woman who was a, a lecturer in a local university. She had ordered some te- sex toys from Germany. She went to the revenue or the post office or whatever to pick it up and whatever the importation laws are there there was there was a revenue officer who opened mm-hmm. up the box found three sex toys in it and reported her to police and she was sentenced to six months um, My word. so it's actually you know a law that if it's broken you, you can go to prison for it another woman was sentenced to two years uh, for selling dildos I believe so um, you know People go to prison as a result. Yeah. So she doesn't. She doesn't need a test case because yes, they're there to do already. Because yeah. they're there yeah. already. Right. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and oh, that'll be an interesting case, though. Nonetheless, I suppose the, the difficulty with the case because it actually is uh, a serious issue, but it'll be so easy for it to be trivialised as it goes along. Absolutely. Etc. Yeah. But yeah. when you when you get a woman like this who's taking the case. She'll be the one who sees it through, I'd say. And uh, don't be surprised if she wins. Yeah. Right. South Sudan, uh, we're going to go to uh, next. And six people have been arrested over uh, uh, sharing a video of the president. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting case. I think the video was filmed last month at an event, right, which showed Salva Kiir, the president of South Sudan, wetting himself right so he was at this event oh and at the event at the end of it he stood up for the national anthem and all of a sudden there was a pool of water mm. uh, ended up by his foot uh, and a stain appeared in his trousers the cameras uh, stopped the live feed almost immediately when they realised what was going on but somehow this footage has got out and it has been leaked, if you'll pardon the pun, onto social media, okay? And obviously it's been generated and the president and his entourage aren't particularly happy about that at all. Now, the, there's a couple of strands to this, obviously. Six journalists have been arrested and the six journalists involved were the crew who were on service that day, right, who were working that day for the national broadcaster, right? So Mm. it's the South Sudan Broadcasting Corporation, right, the SSBC. And they've been detained by the National Security Service under suspicion of an unauthorised release of the footage. So effectively, they're carrying the can for, you know, something that may not have been their fault. Mm. Uh, But they are being investigated to find out how the footage got out. Um... So now it's, it's clearly one. TV footage rather than it's just uh, it was just taken with somebody's mobile phone. 
who just happen to be in a good position. Yeah, exactly. They, that's that's obviously why they're why they're going after them. Um, so it, it's it's because of the quality of the footage um, that they're going after these six who are involved. So maybe they'll get to the bottom of it. But I suppose it's it's generated a debate in South Sudan about. Salva Kiir, he is he is only seventy one years of age, but he's oh he's been around for a while now. We've spoken about him a few times. Mm. He's been there since two thousand and eleven, I think. Yeah, and he's never been. You, you remember him? He wears the big cowboy yes, hat and yeah. the beard. And he's never been the most stable character. He's always been a bit slow and 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 sort of cumbersome in a way. Um, and he's never been in the best of health. So there's a debate right, as to okay, whether he is good enough, yeah. you know, to still rule a country that's in absolute chaos. Well, that debate's been happening for a while. And then there's the other side of it who basically think it's disrespectful to, to, to elders to share this footage around on social media. Which it probably is. Absolutely. I suppose the question is, is, um, is it illegal? Uh, and and is, is there an actual law covering the authorised release of footage or not? No, I, I, I wouldn't think there is. The, yeah. the, the, certainly the Committee to, project, to Protect Journalists, which is obviously a representative yeah. body, has said that there's nothing wrong here and they're calling on authorities to release these six journalists straight, straight away and, you know, never go near them again, effectively. Yeah. But they say that it follows a pattern from security personnel of, you know, kind of intimidating journalists if you if you like yeah. in South Sudan and that will hardly come as a surprise to anybody who knows anything about the country. Uh, right, Pakistan we're going to go to next and uh, an organ trafficking ring. Yes, this is a, an organ trafficking ring that's been busted apparently. Six people again arrested in this particular case and it follows the kidnapping of a 14-year-old boy from Lahore. Um, police managed to track down the evidence and the leads and when they got to the end of those leads they went into some sort of a dingy basement where this 14 year old boy was found laid out with a kidney missing okay he's okay now apparently uh, but it is obviously a very scary situation so you know this is still something that's going on in Pakistan the Authorities outlawed the commercial trade in human organs back in 2010, right? So this was to stop, you know, the coercion basically by Mm. gangs and and that kind of thing. Uh, But it's still going on. I mean, you can pay up to three and a half thousand euros to get a kidney for yourself in Pakistan. And it's because demand is not being met. Uh, so it's it's a real problem, not just there, but also in other parts of the world as well. Yeah, but, and, but it seems like in the case of this boy, they didn't take his organ and then pack it in ice. It was They did a transplant yeah, there and the, then. The, the, the boy, when he was found, he went to the police and he was interviewed and he told the police that when he woke up, there was an Arab man beside him on another stretcher. So apparently this Arab man was the beneficiary of this poor boy's Mm. um, kidnapping. So... um, Really traumatic for the kid, but as I said, it's 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 he's not an isolated case. Sure, you know, in Pakistan, they're at the point now where they're actually selling their or, or sorry, not Pakistan, Afghanistan, where they're actually selling their organs because they're so poor, they aren't selling yeah. their children and all this kind of thing. And this is just a result of of, of poverty. Yeah, I wonder though how they they would get him. Like they couldn't have arbitrarily kidnapped this the, this poor kid. Well, uh, rather than you know because you have to match the, the the organ could be rejected. Well, that's a good point yeah. actually. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's that's something I didn't think of, Sean. So I can't can't answer that for you. Um, but uh, apparently they did it, and th- this is uh, this is what happened. Yeah, and when they busted this particular ring, did they have any idea how many times before they've done this kind of thing? No, I d- uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know the details yeah. of that. To be honest with you, they, they didn't find the doctor. Or the, or the medical people that were involved in this, only the organiser or, or, or the kidnappers yeah. uh, in this particular case. Now, but and, and you mentioned Afghanistan and Pakistan. Yeah, how much is this happening 
around the world. So according to one report by an organisation called the National Library of Medicine who are based in the United States, they say 10% of all organ transplants worldwide are believed to be illegal. That's about 12,000 organs a year. My word. It's worth about $1.5 billion apparently. Yeah. And I suppose in many parts of the world where there mightn't be a particular problem with this, people are waiting a long time for organ transplants anyway. Well, the US, just to continue, I mean, there's 100,000 there on a waiting list as far as I know. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's a huge amount of people. Now, speaking of uh, the US, that's where we're going to uh, next. And uh, five places have had their, their their names changed. Yeah, this has happened because of uh, an initiative taken by the US Department of Interior, right? So that's been headed up by a Native American, a woman called Deb Halland. She's been in place since 2021. Uh, and obviously, as a Native American, she's taken a bit of a lead in this particular instance in, in that the names in these cases are were originally had the term squaw used in them, mm. right? And squaw apparently is a derogatory term, um, which it originally wasn't, okay? Originally it was... Uh, I thought it meant a young girl. Yeah, no, I mean, from, this is from watching yeah, cowboy films. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that just it meant do, a young it girl. It does mean young girl. And the, the original dialect that it came from, it was used in that way. But over time, because it was used by white people in a derogatory fashion, it became derogatory and it's seen right. now as racist. I right? I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. So apparently they have decided to, they did a kind of an audit of about 650 place names throughout the United States. It took a year and they decided to change the names in about 650 places and they've started with these five places right in California North Dakota Tennessee and Texas okay um, and so I'll give you one example there's a place called Loibas Hill right and Loibas apparently is another dialect that can be used which also means young girls this is a Native that, American you, dialect Native, Native, yeah. Native American yeah this is in California and it was previously called Squaw Hill so they've changed it out now. Mm. Um, of course there was some opposition from people who didn't like interference <laughs> from the federal government but overall uh, most people have gone along with the decisions and are happy enough with the name changes. But 650 place names in total are going to be changed over time. It's quite quite significant. That is quite significant. And I, and I bet you for at least some of them there'll be, uh, be considerable resistance. Oh, there, I'm I, I sure imagine, there will be. Yeah. I, I would imagine a lot of that. Right, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, I think the most obvious one is, is Davos is, all, uh, is on all week. <coughs> That's the World Economic Forum. Uh, Lula will make his first official visit abroad and he's going to Argentina as well. It'll be mm. interesting to see if there's any visitors to uh, to the capital in Brazil while he's gone. And then the Oscar nominations come out on the 24th of January. That's next Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how we do. do there. Who, yes. <laughs> Who cares about everybody else? Uh, Jonathan, thanks a million thanks, as Sean. ever. Uh, Jonathan DeBarca Butler there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.